You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've tuned in. Detroit's history is rich with jazz music and culture, and those melodies and stylistic qualities had a big hand in shaping what came to be known as the Motown sound. Our next guest is going to help us explore that legacy of jazz here in Detroit and look ahead to what's on tap for this Labor Day weekend as the Detroit Jazz Fest celebrates its 40th year. Chris Collins is a saxophonist and the president of the Detroit Jazz Festival. He joins us now to talk more about jazz and the city of Detroit. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Stephen. It's always great to have you here. Likewise. Yeah. So let's start with this. Uh, How is Detroit jazz different from the jazz we hear that comes from other American cities that have such a rich uh, musical history as well. You know, it's, it's many, many cities, many cultures are at this day and age a part of the the jazz legacy, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, uh, the the earliest of jazz, uh, much much of the rhythmic impetus, you know, came from. Uh, traditional African music that was somewhat distilled to the Latin-speaking countries and came up through Great New Orleans, Louisiana. And, you know, there was a diaspora of those musicians out of Storyville and whatnot to all the great cities of America. But Detroit is fortunate in that uh, not only do we benefit from that move, but from the earliest 20th century, it uh, it became, you know, woven into the Detroit culture, the, the mixture of freedom and discipline and communicativeness and, and, and unified uh, nature of, of uh, the, the political scene, the cultural scene uh, was was fed by jazz music. So, so much of what, uh, what is now modern jazz, um, much of it was fed by some of the great artists that came up in Detroit. People have often tried to explain the Detroit sound, you mm-hmm. know, and, and you can get into a lot of a lot of subjective stuff. But, you know, basically as a musician that grew up here, I can tell you first and foremost, an incredible family attitude, a lot of great mentors that pass on the language from place to place. We have a lot of great clubs and of course the Detroit Jazz Festival Foundation and patrons like Gretchen Valade. You put all that together, you get this style of music that is uh, certainly pays homage to the real history of this music. There's a strong bebop influence. There's a strong influence of free jazz and avant-garde and it's mixed in with you know the deep gospel tradition of detroit blues um all all of the uh music's funk and fusion that have uh, also grown up in the city uh, you put it together and you've got a unique style that generated cats like you know donald bird and yusuf latif pepper mm-hmm. adams joe henderson and they, of course those cats went on to carry that language into the mainstream through new york and that that shaped how we play jazz today i, I love how you describe that that it's a a language and that it's a language that gets passed from one generation to the next, indeed, indeed, and and it's and it's uh, you know it's shown up in you know early days of like university jazz programs. It's like, well, you can't teach jazz, you know, it's a street music and and so on and so forth. Well, nowadays, you know, many of the great players direct the jazz program, so the education in a formal sense is very alive in our community through the universities and um, on the street. There's a real strong sense of this idea. So at open jam, when you when you go to Burt's to hear an open jam session. You go to the Dirty Dog here, they're jamming. They have one Monday, I think it is, 6.30 to 9.30 at the Dirty Dog. You hear young cats, older cats, everybody in between um, sharing the language, and everyone's listening and paying attention. It's an important training ground for what's happening. Young cats playing with the generation in front of them. This all leads to a sense of wisdom passing on. And then the older generation is checking out the new 
twist, the freshness that the young cats are bringing to it, man, it's it's a it's a beautiful ongoing continuum of evolution that's um, really embraced in our community, much like it is in Detroit with 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 arts, with uh, with culture, with every part of who we are here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, w- when I think about jazz and in, in particular. Uh, jazz as it sort of exists in clubs here mm-hmm. in Detroit, which is which is a big part of of the legacy. Uh, I, I can think of the modern places that people go to hear uh, jazz, and I can think of some of the historic places like the Bluebird, for oh, yeah. instance, uh, which which I know uh, is is kind of making a rebirth, right? It's starting it, to come back. Some attention. We're working well on deserved. that, right? Yeah. Um, but but if you if you could sort of point to where sort of jazz came to Detroit, like mm. the point at which it kind of enters the culture here, where where was that? Well, you know, it's it's very much a story of the early 20th century. You know, this this diaspora again, you know, the, there was this, this area, Storyville, you know, in New Orleans, where a lot of laws had been lifted on entertainment of all sorts. We don't need to go into detail. Uh, <laughs> but uh, wherever there's a lot of entertainment and there's a lot of people hanging out and a lot of clubs, you're going to get a lot of musicians. And the music evolved, became more improvisatory, more communicative. Cats were playing for, you know, six, eight hours a night. Man, the music is going to start to take on new shapes, new efforts. Well, when that music became popular enough and notable enough in the United States, it, it these 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 Storyville masters, you know, the cats like Sidney Bechet and Louis Armstrong, they they moved out through riverboats and then eventually into Europe and other places as ambassadors of American culture. And and this is the important part. They brought with them not only just jazz music, but this music that captured the sensibility of American culture. Mm-hmm. And this is when, you know, Kansas City, New York, Detroit really began to um, embrace this music first as an underground uh, initiative. I mean, this was not a music that was, that was in the popular sense at that time, but was really something that was in important, you know, to some of our, some of the communities we talk about, uh, including, uh, you know, Paradise Valley and the Black Bottom, these places where these great dance joints and hangout joints where people embraced um, the music, not only for what it was artistically, but what it made them feel. The in, entire dance movements were were created around that music in Detroit. Entri- entire cultures and communities grew up and it affected, you know, who we were as people, how we lived our lives. And um, it generated its own sort of um, symbiotic relationship with the city of Detroit. And to this day, you still feel a lot of artists, a lot of musicians are staying in Detroit or they're moving to Detroit. Mm. Because, man, if you if you grow up as a musician in this city, you can go anywhere in the world and you can get your foot in the door. Now, you still got to be able to play. Sure. Yeah. But when you're from Detroit, you get the nod because cats know this is a very heavy place for that music and it's a very heavy place to learn this music. Yeah. My guest is Chris Collins, jazz saxophonist and president of the Detroit Jazz Festival. We're talking about the history of jazz, the important, significant history of jazz here in the city of Detroit and the upcoming Detroit Jazz Festival, uh, which this fall will take place for the 40th year here yeah. in the city of Detroit. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what your favorite uh, aspects are of the history and legacy of jazz here in the city of Detroit. Tell us maybe some of your memories of Detroit Jazz Festival's past. Uh, Also tell us how important you think uh, the genre is going forward, how we preserve 
that history and legacy. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, uh, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Chris, one of the other, I think, really important parts of the jazz legacy here in the city is something that I grew up with. Uh, In my father's house, uh, the WJZZ was on literally... 24 hours a day. Well, maybe not 24. I mean, there were probably a couple hours of the day that he was playing records, right? Mm-hmm. Jazz records. Yeah. Uh, uh, but but every other hour, uh, the the sound in that house was filled by that station. That's how I came to know Ed Love, yeah. uh, for instance, uh, and, and all kinds of things. And my own, of course, deep love of jazz sort of starts there. And, and you know, I, I miss that, of course, uh, but I I miss it not just for me. I miss it for for kids growing up here now. I feel like uh, the opportunity to hear uh, that wide wide range of jazz that they would play um, and to hear it, you know, twenty four hours a day, yeah. uh, like I did. It it doesn't really exist anymore. Yeah, and and <clears throat> what you mentioned, we share. You know, my my first exposure to jazz was my dad's old seventy eights, Coleman Hawkins in the basement. You know, <laughs> digging through those, and it woke me up. Um, but but you know, the Detroit Jazz Festival Foundation is taking this very seriously. We have year round educational programs, and I say that carefully because they're all they're really about opportunities. They're opportunities for young people who are into the music to get deeper into it with mentoring and guidance by professionals and national artists. With our J.C. Heard Jazz Week program at Wayne or our new infusion program at the Detroit Public Schools, um, our youth vocal competition. These are all ways of embracing uh, Detroit youth and giving them opportunities to share with one another, to hear the great masters, to have exposure. You know, Stanley Clark just a couple months ago was in and did a private workshop with six of our Detroit young musicians from the university scene. Um, These are ways that uh, we want to create opportunities for, for young musicians to get deeper in the music, but also for you through backstage tours and, of course, keeping the festival free. They yeah. can walk around anywhere and hear this music firsthand live and be inspired by its energy and its excitement. And one of the beautiful parts of having now the Detroit Jazz Festival Foundation, an organization behind the festival as its signature event, is so much of this youth and educational and mentoring activity culminates at performances over those four days. So people can experience um, throughout the year by going to events or by watching Detroit Jazz Fest Live, our live app, they can see these things happening throughout the year and then they can go to the festival and hear the set that is the result of those rehearsals, those mentorings, those experiences that bring us all closer together. Yeah, yeah. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Al in Fraser. Al, what's on your mind? Yeah, uh, I moved to Detroit like maybe four years, five years. Mm-hmm. And if I had heard this conversation, I'm from Wisconsin, while I would have been eager to come to Detroit, come to the festival and be a part of this. I want to know why Detroit doesn't advertise itself itself on this of um, uh, of culture and especially mm-hmm. this jazz uh, Foundation. Hmm. That's a great question, Al, and welcome to Detroit, by the way. And uh, maybe this will be your first jazz festival, the 40th, <laughs> when it takes place this fall. Uh, do we do a good enough job telling the world that that this is a big part of who we are? 
Well, you know, uh, the Detroit Jazz Festival and the foundation has a global, uh, you know, has a global uh, uh, representation. I mean, up there you, you have Newport and Monterey and the Detroit Jazz Festival. Those are the three biggies. But I think what's unique is uh, the, you know, the audiences in Detroit are very special. And uh, um, the the music that we bring, a lot of commissions and unique performances. And, and, you know, of course, the fact that it's free. You'd pay thousands of dollars to see these artists individually. Yes. And we work very hard and it is specifically thanks to our angel of jazz you know miss gretchen Vallade and her arts endowment along with incredible sponsors you know quicken loans and chase bank and absolute pure carhartt these people all step up and they're doing it to make sure the festival remains free yeah. now because of that sometimes you know uh, like many things in detroit and you can speak to this too we have incredible things going on in this city. Even when there was economic downturn in Detroit, when people weren't talking about us as much, all that stuff was bristling under the skin. And a lot of times it doesn't get past the threshold. But I will tell you, the good news is we draw 325,000 people to the Detroit Jazz Festival over four days, the signature event. And almost a third are from out of the state, mm. and another large contingent are thanks to our international programs. And you can see four-page spreads in Jazz Life in Japan after the Detroit Jazz Festival. So really the world knows about it, but I think as a community we always need to celebrate the greatness of this city, the uniqueness of this city, and tell our friends and family. This is why we started Detroit Jazz Fest Live, the app, because for a 20-hour subscription, people can watch you all can watch four days. watch the whole days, thing, yeah. The whole thing. And th this is a way of saying, hey, man, Check this out, because once you see it, maybe you're going to want to be here, You man. will be hooked. That's right. Um, so as we said, uh, this is the 40th uh, anniversary of the Jazz Festival. What's on tap? Ah, well, you know, the the, the underlying uh, idea was about reunion this year. You know, decade anniversaries, you always think, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Bring oh, everybody back yeah, together. We're going to look to the past <laughs> and look to the future. This We wanted to look to who we are. Yeah. We have this incredible stability now that we have a foundation underneath everything that's going to propagate the festival for free for a very long time, hopefully in perpetuity. So we thought we'd bring cats together. So we have an incredible homecoming series where we're bringing our amazing artists who have made something important of themselves, who were from Detroit, Ron Carter and Ollie Jackson's doing a set called Bring the World Home. It's going to be very special talking about his journey. Dee Dee Bridgewater and uh, Sheila Jordan, Frida Payne, Calvin Brooks is coming back. They talk about Jay-Z, right? <laughs> and, uh, but then we have um, seven of our past artists in residence. So our artists in residence is here, the great Stanley Clark doing a commission piece uh, yeah. that's a, call, a tribute to Boys in the Hood, the John Singleton film with full orchestra. And, but he's also doing a funk set. He's doing a straight ahead set. We have Pat Matheny here. We have Danilo Perez, uh, Ron Carter, Josh Redman, Terrence Blanchard. These are all past artists in residence yeah. that became part of our community. And then uh, we're doing an, uh, some amazing uh, mashups, if you will, where Ron Carter and Pat Matheny are going to recreate the duo that they premiered in Detroit some years ago. Very sensitive setting, along with one of our other greats from Detroit, the great Kenny Garrett will be back with us. And even Dee Dee Bridgewater is doing a set with the New Orleans Jazz Orchestra, which they've never played. They did a record, but they've never played that set in North America. So it's going to be something that people have never seen before. And then on top of it, there are these special pieces. Cameron Graves, the great uh, pianist from, from the West Coast, he's been working already with 
um, our youth, the young musicians in their 20s or so and in the beginning of their career, and uh, they're rehearsing their original music. And then Cameron is adding his flavor. He's going to bring in guests from the hip-hop and the, and the electronica uh, elements and mold it into a true mashup of these modern genres, but from the jazz perspective. Mm. These are the kind of interesting situations you'll see these amazing artists in throughout the Detroit Jazz Festival. Because we're free, we have the latitude to do that. Yeah. And so around the world, we're noted for, um, you know, hey man, get there, because you can't see this at any price anywhere. <laughs> and and I, I always feel like there is a, a range, I guess, to the kinds of uh, performances you have. I mean, you guys sort of envelop all kinds of things that people wouldn't necessarily suspect would be at a jazz festival. And that's kind of the, the, the fun part of it is sort of stumbling on these things that uh, that you literally would not see anywhere else. Yeah, and it very much comes from, you know, myself being born and growing up in the city. That's Detroit, man. We take things and we're always doing interesting. <laughs> and tinkering then, with them, right? And then, like you mentioned, Motown music. I mean, it changes the world, you know. Uh, but but yeah, the, the, it's it's the interesting settings that you'll see the musicians in, youth musicians that you don't know, new artists, upcoming artists. But it's all from the jazz perspective. Around the world, Detroit Jazz Festival is known as one of the few remaining true jazz festivals. So while you will see Macy Gray, for instance, is with us this year. Wow. Macy, you know, people know her pop and R&B stuff. She's got an incredible jazz oh, album. Her jazz stuff, right? Yeah. It's yeah. off the hook. It is really, really good. So you, you'll see all that, you'll hear all that, and you'll hear blues influence and funk influence, but it's all from the jazz point of view. So everyone has a connectivity to the language of jazz, and it all centers around that music. So that doesn't mean it's all straight ahead. There's avant-garde. There's some traditional early 20s New York swing stuff with John Kelso and his Hot Five, all the way up to things that are cutting edge, happening right here, right now. And uh, I can I always tell people, wander around yeah just go stage to stage you will hear things and before you know you've been sitting there for two hours saying wow and writing down names and poking the guy next to you you don't even know did you did you hear that oh, right. what was that cat playing bass man uh, again 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones aaron in detroit welcome to good the morning show. hey aaron Oh, this is a good topic. I like this topic. <laughs> yeah, I, I still call it the Montreux Jazz Fest. I've yeah, been right. <laughs> Montreux, I've probably Detroit. been going the whole time, but I know I've been going for 35 years. Wow. So Thank I'm glad you, to hear Kenny Garrett's name mentioned because one of my favorite years that I remember was Kenny Garrett was on the uh, uh, the, 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 the list and Ahmad Jamal and the Brecker brothers, and it, I mean, it was literally chilling. I had goosebumps. <laughs> it, it was so fantastic. But my favorite part about the Jazz Festival, because I'm a, a lifetime city resident, and the interaction, during, especially during the daytime with the, uh, the people who come from the suburbs and, mm -hmm. and, and people who have a love for jazz and that camaraderie that we have just, you know, for the love of the music and how we integrate during that time at no other times because I've been through the lean times when we lost sponsorship and things got a little thin and all of that, but we never lost that part. Mm. It was always the, the true jazz fans were always enthusiastic about the festival coming back to its glory, and I'm mm -hmm. glad to see it coming back. So. I'm yeah. real happy about it. No, that's a, that's a that's a great thought, Aaron. I mean, the, the the diversity of the crowd, and when I say diversity, 
I really mean diversity is not just uh, race, but class and geography and generations. Generations. I mean, it it really is this uh, this kind of melting pot kind of uh, event. Uh, and so, Aaron, it's a great reminder. And, and Aaron, God bless you. You put your finger on the key. The artists all around the world talk about how great the Detroit audiences are, and, all, and it's it's it it it's because of folks like you that really understand what the music is about, but also look around and see the family attitude that surrounds us and people coming into the city from all over the world, many who have not been here or haven't been here in decades. The jazz brings them together, and because we're all there enjoying this music together suddenly a lot of the barriers break down. and there's People a forget about beauty. that stuff, yeah. right? There's yeah. a joy, man. Yeah, Aaron, thanks very much for the call. Let's uh, quickly take Richard. Richard, I've got about a minute left. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, did you mention uh, Baker's keyboard? I thought that was the main mainstay here in, in Detroit. Uh, of course it is, in my neighborhood, no less. Uh, but uh, that's a good shout-out, and there are lots of other clubs that we could mention too. But, uh, Richard, I appreciate that. All right, Chris Collins. President of the Detroit Jazz Festival, it's always great to catch up with you. And we will see you in the fall at uh, the 40th. Great, man. All right. Uh, come back Monday. We're going to talk about the case of the Central Park Five with some of the attorneys who represented them and about the larger problems it reveals about our criminal justice system. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again on Monday. <laughs>